0: But we made it uh, just a little bit over halfway, and, uh, and what we do, if you're, if you're new here at, on Wednesday night, we just go line for line down the Bible, and uh, just to try to bring some truth to uh, the scripture and understand it, and uh, how many you know that uh, we are to rightly divide the word of God, amen? All right, I only need two of you to amen me, so how many know we are to rightly divide the word of God? And so uh, 1 Corinthians, and we made it to verse 34, so we'll start at verse 35, but just to give you a little preface of where we're at is the book of Corinthians in general is a corrective uh, uh, epistle. It's one that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a good church, but they had had a lot of stuff they needed to fix. How many know that in our lives sometimes, man, we need help? We need people to help guide us. And so Paul, being the great minister that he was, he is helping them. He's helping them get on track. And he deals with a plethora of things that were happening in their church. And here in chapter 15, it deals with this, the resurrection. Um, and there was a group of people uh, in in the Corinthian church who were proclaiming that the resurrection didn't happen. And so Paul, he spends the whole uh Chapter 15, just making a case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I said this last week, um, the hinge of, uh, of salvation, the salvation hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's not a resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, there's no salvation. And so uh, we have to understand. So this is a very um, doctrinally sound uh, chapter. And if you were to read this, you need to read it slow. You need to understand it. Um, and uh there was a group in in that time the Sadducees you, how many have ever heard of the the Pharisees and the Sadducees all right um in the Bible well, the Sadducees they believed very much like the Pharisees, but they did not believe in the resurrection. Many Greeks at that time did not believe in r- the resurrection. Corinthian church was in Greece, and they had the influence from some of the Sadducees and so uh there was a group of believers in the Corinthian church who were struggling with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and the resurrection of the dead. So, and it's interesting because Paul tells them, and he says, you know, go find some of these guys. There's still eyewitnesses that saw Jesus. He's talking to the Corinthians. There's, there's still uh, uh, people that saw Jesus raised for the dead. Paul says, uh, number one, the first person Jesus saw was Cephas or Peter. He, he saw Peter. So, hey, you can go find Peter, and he can tell you that Jesus was resurrected. And then he mentions James, Jesus' half-brother, who didn't even follow Jesus until after the resurrection, and he, he gave his life up for Christ. And then he also says, Paul talks about himself being the least of, of all of those that, that the, you know, Christ uh, got him on the Damascus Road and come on, and, and the Lord taught him in Arabia. And then he talks about these 500 people that were eyewitnesses. It's what the Bible says. 500 people saw Christ raised from the dead. There were that 500 watched him ascend into heaven, okay? Now, fast forward to the day of Pentecost. That number dropped significantly. Jesus said, hey, go tarry. They went and tarried and prayed. They went from 500 to 120. How know, how many know that waiting on the Lord sometimes is a, is a difficult task? But But Paul tells them the resurrection... Uh, there's a strong case for resurrection. I said this last week. Uh, How many witnesses do you need uh, in a court of law? One. So he's saying, hey, 500 people here, and some of these people are still alive. You know, James would lose his life for the cause of Christ in different situations, but uh, you know, some of them were gone, but he's saying, hey, go find them physically. don't, Don't you wish that we could do that? Now, we we, we can't do that. So, But he is making a very strong case. He talked about Christ's resurrection and the symbolism of baptism. What do we do when we're baptized? The old man is dead. We're laying him down, buried. Come on, like Jesus was buried into a grave. And when we come back, the resurrection, that's what baptism. So Paul's saying, why are you baptizing people? if If you don't believe in the resurrection, what's the point of baptism? He makes that statement. And he talks about how when... When we die, we will be resurrected into a new body. How many are ready for a new model, new body? Boy, I, man, that's the best amen I've had all night. And that's where we left off in uh, uh, verse 35, talking about the resurrection. And and, um, and if you need a, a subheading here or a topic or a, a, a point, the resurrection body is what Paul talks about. Verse 35 says this. You ready? Here we go. But some someone will ask how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And this question, if you look at this question that they that they are asking here, Paul is he's he's reiterating a question that was asked to him. And and honestly, this was not a question of just, "Hey, we're curious." This was a question of, "Hey, we're challenging what you are saying, Paul." That's what that's what they're doing. Verse 36. You foolish person, I like how Paul deals with them, you foolish person, <laughs> he, he says, what, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, everyone say kernel, how many like popcorn, how many have ever got a popcorn kernel stuck in your mouth, come on, you bit on it, that hurts, right, all right, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives, uh, gives it a body, and as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So Paul's talking about just everything has been given a body, like plants. They've been given a seed, something to exist in. Look at, look at nature, right? Uh, how many people love to plant flowers in here? All right. There's a few hands that went up. How many try to plant flowers and they die? All right. Raise your hand, Tristan. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, um, But this is what happens. You grab an ugly bulb, right? Brown, ugly bulb. You put it down into the ground, and what happens? It sends its roots down. It cracks itself in half, and up comes a plant, right? And before too long, come on, we know this in the spring. When it comes, Lord, spring come faster than, amen. Amen. When, when the spring comes and the sun begins to warm, the budding of that plant begins to come forward. And before you know it, out of that bulb, you have a beautiful daffodil or a beautiful uh, whatever flower. I don't know what's a beautiful flower. Is the daffodil pretty? Come on. Somebody, no? All right. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Good. I'm, I need help. So what was once an ugly brown bulb becomes a beautiful flower. That's what we are. Right now we're in the brown bulb stage. The resurrection comes, guess what, when we are called up as believers, guess what, we're going to have new bodies. Come on, somebody, amen. And and, and then comes the, the pretty phase. I'm ready for the pretty phase. And, and here's what happens. That ugly brown bulb becomes something of value. And the same thing we see with the resurrection. Paul's saying, hey, uh, in, in nature, we, we see the resurrection. If nature is showing us, uh, then, then we have to look at this. Verse 39 says this, for not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind of for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. You don't have the same type of skin that fish have. Amen? You could scale yourself if you had fish, right? And and, and some of you may be hairy like a lion, but you're not a lion, right? Uh, we all have different types of skin. Verse 40 says, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. So. Um, there's a difference. There's a difference between a lion and a fish, right? Their skin is different, right? A- and and um, there's different things. So our resurrected bodies will be different from those that we have now. And if you are of this life, you ought to say, praise the Lord, right? Uh, and, you know, every day I get up, I look in the mirror, and I see myself, and I say, man, it's good to see my dad again. Right. You get a little bit older. Man, when I was young and I thought, you know, when you're young, you think age won't won't affect you. But let me tell you, age is not a respecter of person. It catches up with you. Right. Um, But but our bodies, our human bodies are designed right now for 14 pounds per square inch of pressure on us right here. That's how we exist right now. No more, no less. And, and, and here's the thing, we can only travel in, in air when it's in pressurized cabins. When we go up into airplanes, we can only go to certain levels. If we go higher than those levels and the cabin's not pressurized, guess what? We're in trouble. What happened this week with the Alaskan airline? The door flew off. Terrifying, right? How scary is that? Nobody was hurt, praise the Lord. But, but and, and if we were to go underwater, we have to put on scuba suits and we have to have oxygen because our bodies cannot take it, Right? So our current bodies are conditioned to take this, a certain type of air, and our atmosphere is made up of 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and 1% assorted gases. And if that number gets off, guess what? We cannot exist. If the oxygen level drops too much, man, we struggle to breathe. But our current bodies are, what are you saying, Pastor? Our current bodies are earthbound. We can exist right here with these current bodies. But our eternal bodies will require neither spacesuits or or, uh, pressurized airplanes or oxygen tanks. Man, you know what's going to be great? We're going to be free to explore, to soar, to do all kinds of things that that we can't even fathom or dream or understand right now. It's hard for us to wrap our head around it, you know, because we're bound by these bodies. Listen, some of you who don't run anymore, man, when you get your new body in heaven, you're going to be able to run. Woo! you're gonna be excited I haven't ran in 25 years right oh man what a happy day right no more aches when you get out of bed in the morning come on somebody right no more pains no more limitations no more struggles with your own man you won't have to take ibuprofen every day come on somebody right (laughs) I heard this story. I like this. Arthur, he is a 75-year-old, and he's played golf every day since his retirement. And one day he, he arrives home looking downcast to his wife, and he says, that's it. I, I'm giving up golf. And he says, my eyesight has become so bad that once I hit the ball, I can't find it. I can't see where it went. And his wife, she's sympathizing with him. She says, let me get you a cup of tea. And as he sits down, she says, why don't you take my brother with you and give give it one more try? And he said, that is no good, no way. And Arthur Arthur looks at her and he says, your brother is 95, he cannot help me. And, and she says, well, he's 95, but his eyesight is perfect, so you should take him. And so the next day, Arthur, he heads off to the golf course with his brother-in-law and he tees up and He takes a mighty swing, and he squints down the fairway. He turns to his brother-in-law and says, hey, did you see where the ball went? And he says, of course I did. And he says, I have perfect eyesight. He said, well, where did it go? He says, I don't remember. (laughs) Right? Our bodies are going to fail us, right? Uh, They're going to fail us. Your eyesight may be failing. You might have somebody. That guy needs a memory, right? But. But the next verse says this, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. Two different things here, all right? And there is one glory of the sun, and, and one, uh, uh, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from the star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. So if it was a clear sky tonight, which I doubt it is, because it's been cloudy and, and cold and uh, January how about that it's been January around here but if it was a clear sky tonight we could go out we could look at the stars outside and we could probably see with our naked eye I don't know maybe hundreds of thousands of stars I I didn't know this that they estimate that there are 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy that's incredible right that's a lot of stars but but there they are they are all shining brightly in the sky right we can we can see them on a clear night. And and it says this in Scripture, likewise there'll be different intensities in heaven. So if we look at some stars, some stars shine super bright and other ones are dimly shining, right? At times. Anybody ever looked at the stars, right? Some are bright, some are not. Some you barely see, some you can really see. But but likewise there will be different intensities in heaven. What are you saying, Pastor? In Daniel chapter twelve it tells us that those who win souls shall sigh, shine as the stars forever. It's what scripture says. You ought to be winning souls. And so those who give great attention to their to their uh, maybe their hobbies or their priorities of their body, come on, their possessions, their careers and their own agendas will will be in heaven, but 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 the ones that have given their life for the cause of Christ, Daniel tells us that they're going to shine with intensity. With brightness, right? to we'll look at your neighbor and say, Hey, you need to shine bright, okay? And, and and so what that tells me is this that we have to make the kingdom of God our priority and our passion. I, I love my hobbies, I love my job, I love everything that's earthly, but everything in this earth will pass away. That car that you love so much will rust one day. It'll sit out in someone's field at some point you know or whatever in a junkyard that house that you love so much guess what it will decay it will rot it will go away everything in this earth will will pass away but things that are eternal in our lives come on that last forever are beyond this Uh, i talked to someone today on the phone and they said they told me they said i am just a pilgrim passing from in in this land and that's what we are we're here temporarily we are to do everything we, we know to do and and do right here on earth but honestly our goal is not here on earth but eternity eternity is huge compared to our little lifespan here on this earth james said it like this that our life is a what a vapor it's here. it's here one second gone the next somebody said man my life has been here and now i feel like i'm at the end of my life and it has went by really fast i've sat down with saints and on their deathbed i've, I've sat down with pastors who were and people who had given their life for the sake of christ on their deathbed and never once for people who knew jesus christ who loved the lord who served him never once have i heard anyone who served christ on their deathbed say i wish i hadn't served christ and given my life for the cause of christ but on the flip side of that i have sat down with people who said i i wish i would have given more in my life so i want to tell you this be encouraged what you are doing for god now will be worth it all right so it says this, what is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. So we see a little contrast here. Um, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised uh, a spiritual body. So this contrast is not between a material body and an immaterial body, but between a body subject to death and a body that is immortal. That's the difference This body that I have now and the body that we will have after we're resurrected, okay? So the the Greek term for spiritual here refers to a body directed by the spirit as opposed to one dominated by the flesh. Woo! Come on, somebody, right? How many know that we're made of flesh and we're made of spirit? When you want to do what's right with the Lord, that's your spirit, man. When you, when you want to do what's carnal, come on, that's your flesh, man. We're, the Bible, we're in this constant struggle between our flesh and the spirit. But God God is working on us. So as long as we have this flesh connected to us, come on, we, we desire the things of this world. We, we, we are prone to fall to temptation. But what happens, we see this in the next few verses, is the body we, we put in the ground here on this earth, it's going to decay, it's going to disappear, it's going to go away, right? And Paul says, that's not the end of the story for those who know Jesus Christ. Praise God. Right? Uh, for their body, he says this, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rise in, in the glory and power. So it says this, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first Adam became a living being. So um, I talked a little bit about this last week. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 it says by the sweat of your face this is this is what the Lord speaking to Adam and Eve uh, after they uh, disobeyed him he says by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were what taken and for you are dust and dust you all you shall return all right so you start uh, so the Lord he it's interesting that the Lord uh, says this now i i was looking at this the same elements that make up dirt are in the human body that's interesting to me now, how many know the lord knows what he's doing he pre, he pre, he he's a good god he he knows things that we don't and 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 six of the most uh quantity uh, uh things that are in dirt guess what are in our human body and, and so there's 17, I think, total, and there's probably some variances in that. But but God knows what he's doing, amen? The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So first Adam, he brought death, right? They were good in the garden. We don't even know how long they lived in the garden before they sinned. They, It could have been millions and millions of years. We, We don't know, you know? But once they sinned, they understood that they were going to die. So the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. What does that mean? So Adam in Genesis was made a living soul. God created him from dust, and he what? He breathed life into him, right? The last Adam, Jesus Christ, was made a life-giving spirit. And how many know that Jesus is the one who gives life, right? Scripture tells us this in John 10:10 10, 10, that the the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy uh, but Jesus said I came that I may have life and what and have it what? Woo, so Jesus whew, he's the giver of life. Satan tried to take it, Jesus gave it back. It's the it's a beautiful reverse. Amen. So so it's uh it's not it says this in verse 46 but it's not the spiritual that is first but the natural And then the spiritual. So that's the order of our life, right? We live in the natural first, and then we go to the spiritual side. So uh, we start as natural beings, natural men, natural women. Um, But it's not until we're born again by the life-giving spirit or by the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that we become spiritual beings, all right? So verse 47 says this, the first man was from the earth, a man of what? dust according to psalm 103 the father uh he understood that that we are earthy we that's he understands our nature therefore i think we put oftentimes in our life a lot of unwanted pressure to perform out of expectations on ourselves that that even the lord doesn't even expect out of us right right it's by grace that you've been saved right but oftentimes we try to work our way into heaven, right? So we put an un, 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 <laughs> unexpected thing. The Lord says, no, 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 it's my grace that saved you. It's not anything that you can do. Now, you ought to be doing stuff after you've been saved and, and, and the Lord working through you. Um, but, but oftentimes we put pressure on ourselves. We set lofty spiritual goals, right, especially at the beginning of the year. Lord, I'm going to read the Bible in a month we start the first day. Oh, Genesis 3. I'll stop right there and I'll I'll pick up tomorrow and I'll I'll do a whole lot more, right? And then we set these super lofty goals and then we don't reach them and and then we have condemnation on ourselves and say, "Man, I, I just didn't do that." But how many know I, I'm I'm grateful for grace, right? There's no other word for uh, grace than amazing because I don't deserve it. And, and man, when I set these lofty goals and I fail, and I often beat up on myself. And how many know that, that Romans 8 1 says that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And so you, you can stop beating yourself up. But, but here's the thing. We're, we're really just dust and earthy. So those of you who are dusting your house, you may be moving somebody's body. No, I'm just kidding. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul tells us that, that we are just earthen vessels. I like he, he takes a little bit further. He says, hey, we're just vessels. And the true treas- treasure in that vessel is what Jesus Christ, right? We're just earthy vessels. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, you're just an earthy vessel. That tells me this. I'm just a, I'm just a clay pot. I, when you sing, I'm just a little teapot, short, you, you didn't realize you were prophetically speaking, did you? I'm just a clay pot. And here's what most of us think. Many of us try to polish and paint our vessels, and some paint them more than others. Come on, I'll leave that right there. Sometimes we do this to look more spiritual. Oh, you got it together. Oh, I know. I've got this great paint job on my clay pot right now, right? It's an act of spirituality. And all that really does is distract from the true beauty that is Jesus Christ that is in us. All right? That's the real treasure, that's the game changer right there. Um, that is why the Lord describes how He wanted us to worship Him, and, and and it was, and and He said this in Exodus. He said, "I don't do it with a cut stone, don't do it with brass, don't do it with precious metals, don't do it with gold." That's what He says. All right, it was it was to be made of earth in order that nothing would distract from the sacrifice laid upon it. Exodus twenty twenty four. You can look that up. And so God, man, he, when we are ugly in our little pot-like self, but the light of Jesus shines inside of us, man, it makes him look so much brighter, right? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know why so many people don't disciple or teach or witness to people? Here's one reason. I don't feel polished. I don't feel articulate enough. I feel like I, I can't do that. I um but little do they realize um that they're ideal candidates when you feel like you're not good enough psh, you're in good company because Christ in you right he gives you the strength to be able to do that and he makes us he makes us capable whether it's in church or personally the key to ministry is to get out of the way i'm learning this get out of the way let god do what he's going to do amen and that's the that's the beauty of jesus the treasure of him so And it's honestly my prayer in my life that that my life would just reflect Jesus everywhere I go. I don't want people to see me. I really don't. My old, especially my old earthly vessel right now. uh, You know, the older I get, I was looking at pictures of myself the other day, and I thought, man, I'm getting gray hair. My hair is falling out. I'm getting wrinkles in my eyes. God, help me. Lord, help me. Take me. No, I didn't say that. But, (coughs) but, but. My old earthly vessel uh, should be outshined by the treasure that's in me. Jesus Christ, all right? It says this. The second man is from heaven, verse 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's us. If you are from Adam, guess what? You are from dust and is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven, verse 49. Just as we have... Uh, born the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven I like that that's good that's really good that, that 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 probably bounced off every wall in here although i I presently am free to be who I am an earthly clay pot right I'm a little teapot I know someday guess what I'll be much more one day man I'll bear the image Christ in heaven. I'll understand when the Bible says when we see Him, we'll we'll be like Him. We'll know. We'll understand things. And the questions that we always say, "I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven." Guess what? When we get to heaven, we're not even going to worry about it because it'll be like, "Oh, okay, praise the Lord." And one day, come on, we'll bear His image in a body that is custom made. How many like custom made stuff? Your body's going to be custom made for the heavenlies. All right, that's good, right? Um. And the older I get, the more I, I'm ready for, for a new body, right? And I've said that many times. And I, it's going to be great because I, I, I truly get to bear Christ's image. And, and, and that, what a great day. So here's the next portion of this that, that he talks about. The mystery and the victory. Everyone say mystery and victory. Verse 50. I, it says this. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot, what? Inherit the kingdom of God is why there has to be a resurrection within us when we die or we're taken up through the rapture, all right? Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So, so Paul's saying this, mere flesh and blood cannot enter into this glorious existence, all right? That's why we have to have a new body or, and, and we cannot exist. Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. I always like it when Paul, he uses this a lot, the word mystery. You've heard me talk about this um, uh, in in other uh, epistles that we've broke down. The Greek word for mystery is this, musterion. Everyone say musterion. Teach you some Greek tonight. Musterion speaks of something um, that has previously been hidden. It's not that it can't be known. It was just hidden. We just didn't know, right? Uh, But now is known. Stereon in my life things that I thought I would do when I was older when I was younger I thought guess what when I got older and I had kids I realized I didn't realize all these things things came I, I start to understand these things I'll give you a good example from 1920 to 1950 big tobacco companies made their claims that smoking was good for your health and could stop the irritation of lungs And they marketed using physicians on posters, smoking cigarettes. It's interesting, right? And in 1964, the Surgeon General's report finally showed that it was bad for you, all right? That seems silly to us now, right? Because most of us already know, you know, the doctor, what they're going to say if you smoke and all that good stuff. And it's not good for your health and all these things. Um, But... But that was a, a mystery to people because they didn't realize they, they were they didn't realize that it was bad for them. But, you know, many people probably got sick and ill because of those things. But now, guess what? It's not a mystery to us anymore. We know. So Paul tells us not of the mystery of smoking tobacco, praise the Lord, but being <laughs> uh, being bad. But but he tells us that there's a necessity of dying in order that we might move into a, an eternal realm. There's something. New to factor into the equation is what he's saying. He says this, we shall not all sleep, but we sh- shall all be changed. And so um, we will be changed. I like this. Uh, metamorphosis, right? What does a caterpillar do? Right? In the spring, caterpillars crawl around, right? If the birds don't get to them. They get to their cocoon, right? Cocoon. They spend time in there. They they come out, and they're a beautiful What? How many remember the movie Bugs Life when the, the, the big little guy gets his wings and he's a beautiful butterfly? All right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But we're all going to change, but not all will die. Okay? How so? Read on. Verse 52. In a moment, come on, here we go. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, all right, for the trumpet will sound and the, the what will rise? The dead will be raised, what, imperishable, and we shall be changed, for the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. So here's the first reference here to the, to the hope of the rapture, okay? Rapture is not in the scripture, but the taking out, it, it, it's, it's alluded to. And so Paul tells us, rather than dying, some are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye i'd rather go up with that group than 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 those who are dying right first thessalonians says it like this verses 4 15 through 17 for for since we believe that jesus died and rose again okay there it is you got to believe in the resurrection jesus died and he what all right good even so through jesus god will bring with him those who have fallen asleep okay talking falling asleep is a term that we use in scripture that this means they died all right it's a nice way of saying you died Uh, verse 15 for this we declare to you by the word from the lord that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep verse 16 for the lord himself will descend from heaven and with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and, and with the sound of a trumpet, God, and the dead in Christ will what? Rise first. And this is a fully explains the Lord will, will descend from heaven, and, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Uh, a few months ago, uh, I, uh, I forget how long ago it was, maybe just a couple, two or three months ago, Stephen Stroud, he, a member of our church, passed away. And one of the things i I preached at his funeral, and i I talked about to his family about his character, and they said that one of the things that he was was prompt, he loved to be prompt, he loved to be early, and he said, if you were on time, you were late, and so he was just kind of one of those guys. How many people are like that and and it was interesting when, in the last moments of his of his life, I was sitting there with mickey and and we were discussing. Uh, Right after he passed, we were just sitting there talking to his wife. I was talking to his wife, and and she said, you know, uh, this is interesting because he liked to be prompt. And here he is passing away. And guess what? Now, if the rapture happens, he's going to get to heaven before I get to heaven. And I thought, man, how true is that? And so, uh, uh, you know, rather than dying, some of us will be changed immediately without going through the death process. Verse 54 says this. "When When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is what? Death is what? Swallowed up in what? Death is swallowed up in victory. Death happens, right? The Bible says this, it's appointed for, for man to die. But as a believer, oftentimes instead of instead of mourning and moaning when a believer dies, we can be happy for them. I mean, honestly, I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm not saying you can't mourn, you can't be upset. But when we, when we know the big picture, when we know the big picture here, say this is a temporal thing right here. And some of you may say, well, pastor, are you saying we shouldn't mourn when people pet? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you know why we mourn? Because we're selfish. It has little to do with the person that knew Christ. It it has more to do with, well, I don't get to see them anymore. But they have a new body. and and God's Man, honestly, you know, I'm not saying you, you, you shouldn't mourn or anything like that. But, you know, I understand that death is final on this side. But the big picture is on this side, when you add eternity to what I'm seeing right here, man, it's, it's death is swallowed up. <laughs> it's swallowed up. And verse 55 says this, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Everyone say thanks, God. Who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the garden with Adam and Eve, the devil won a victory. At Calvary, the devil thought he won a victory there. But what he did was he put into motion and he thought, man, I'm going to stop God. But how many know that Jesus reversed the curse by overcoming death, hell, Said from the vantage point of of Christ's return from for for his bride, death and hell and the grave and sin have no power over a Christian. Well, some of you are like, "Well, I don't like this teaching. I don't really like this." You know, that's why Paul would say, "You know, to die is to gain." How could he say that? If I die, I get to go to heaven. If I don't get to go to heaven, I get to. Spread the gospel here. You know they didn't like Paul because they couldn't figure him out. They tried to throw him in jail. Okay, I'll just reach people here in prison. I'll just start preaching to the guards. They'll start getting saved. Well, oh, we got to get you out of here. And it's like, well, we'll kill you. Well, if you kill me, I'll just, I'll just go to heaven. It'll be great. And you know, and and, and, and he was slippery. He's like a trying to grab a a, a kneel. You just can't do it. He just man, we can't get our grip on this guy. Be like Paul. All right. Says this uh, this this story. A little girl was was having a picnic with her dad, and she was deathly allergic to to bee stings, and in the middle of this picnic, she became terrified as a bumblebee buzzed above over her head. She screamed and, and was scared. Seeing the bumblebee, the dad reached up and caught the bumblebee in his hand and held it for a few seconds, and then he let it go, and the little girl was It'll sting me instead of answering her, he opened up his hand and he showed in the middle of her palm that the bumblebee had stung the stinger that was in his hand. And that's exactly what Christ did for us. the bee of sin, and death, and hell and the grave that we think can take us out Christ said, no 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 I, I have I have taken that thing out and just as the dad disarmed the bumblebee. How many know that Jesus sting, uh, disarmed the sting of sin and death at once for us? Amen. I love this last little little verse that we're, that we're going to go over here. And I'm going to ask, Kenley, help me out on the piano, buddy. I'm glad you're here tonight, man, good guy. Doesn't he look good? He always looks good, all right? That's my buddy right there. Verse 58, I love this verse. And when I look at this verse in the context of, of the resurrection, it really... Change the perspective, I've quoted this verse, and I mean, it was a kind of a reality to me, well, it's a reality to me that, um, that what this verse means, it says this, verse 58. therefore, my beloved brothers, be what, steadfast, be what, always what, in the work of the Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let me read that again, Therefore my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord that in, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So put this in pers- perspective here, the Corinthians, he's telling them, hey, and the Corinthians and us, you are to continue. you are, you are to stay with it, stay steadfast. The work of Christ specifically because of the resurrection right so think about this for a moment in light of eternity everyone say eternity in light of the cross of Calvary everyone say Calvary all right in light of the fact that that we are uh, in this earth that What we do in this earth will determine the intensity of of how we shine in heaven. Paul says this, work for the Lord so that your labor will not be in vain. I really like the way he he puts this. He says, work for the Lord so your labor is not in vain. So much of what we spend our time on is in vain. Think about it. Most of the stuff we do is, is all in vain. I love the scripture that says, you know, exercise profit a little, right? In our lives. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I stand on that scripture. No. Right? I can exercise my whole life, but that doesn't mean my body's not gonna break down, and wear down, and tear down. So much of what we work on in this earth will fall apart. Will break. But what matters is what's eternal. Not temporal, not, not this, this moment, but what's eternal. In our house last week when Tristan was sick, and I think I was just getting over sickness, Wyatt came into my room and he said, Dad? And I said, yeah? There's water coming into my bathroom. What? He goes, yeah. There's water coming in my bathroom. And I said, no, there's not. And he goes, Dad, I'm pretty sure I know what water looks like. So I went down there and I looked and the paint was bubbling. Like I could see where water was coming. I could see the seam of where the sheetrock was. And I was just like, oh, man. You ever get frustrated? I was just frustrated in the moment. I thought, what in the world is going on? I was not feeling good. Tristan wasn't feeling good. I was like, I don't want to deal with this right now. So I thought, I'll come back. Maybe it's maybe the sink's leaking. I looked at the sink. Nothing was leaking in the sink. I didn't know what was going on. A day or so later, Wyatt came back. Dad, there's water coming out of my... I was like, okay, so now i got to go look at this. So I get up there, and I look at it. And I just... Last year, we had just fixed this ceiling. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Isn't that the way it works? Just fixed this ceiling, and so I was like, there's only one way to get to this rip it out, right? That's glorious. That's the fun part of construction, right? And I got up there, and I saw the pipe, and we had a a leak, and it was all dishwater and stuff from the disposal up there. I was like, this is nasty. It's gross so I tore it out and I fixed it praise God I was able to do that got it done and you know and last year I, I thought about it after I, I did all that and I've got I've to gotta finish fixing it but you know last year I, we spent time and effort and money to fix it to make it right only to, for a leak to sprout and create a bigger issue for us this time how many know that things in this earth are temporal they're going to pass away right I say that to just just to remind you that, that things of this life are temporal. But things that we do for the Lord, our worship to him, come on. Our work that we do for him, missions, trips, loving people to Jesus, giving to the cause of Christ, winning people to Christ, praying with somebody, gifts that we bring to him, guess what? They're not going to be in vain. You say, ah. What I'm doing is not making a huge impact. But know this, it says your labor is not in vain. That's what it says. It doesn't say, hey, you have to make a huge impact. It says your labor is not in vain. The the Lord doesn't pay in commission, but he pays for labor. All right, let me me put it to you this way. He doesn't pay you on your success of service, but your faithfulness to it. That takes a lot of pressure off. Just be faithful to what he's called you to. Let him, leave the results to him, all right? Are you-